Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad. I'm your host. And I'm a beggar with good news. I found bread. The bread of life. The Messiah. Yeshua of Nazareth. And my hope is to present this bread to other hungry souls that they would experience the fullness of the life for which they were created. This episode, Without Love. Credit the Doobie Brothers for the title to this episode. Out of San Jose, California, the Doobie Brothers are a genre-busting rock band, and they've stood the test of time. From 1970 till 75, they featured Tom Johnston on lead vocals. In 75, he was replaced by soulful crooner Michael McDonald, who added a, a new depth to the band, giving them a rock and soul feel with some bluesy influences. The band name is most likely what you think it is, though band members have rarely openly declared it so. It started off with a group of guys who like to jam out and partake of copious amounts of a certain herbal remedy. There's a lot of history to this band. Alas, to continue would be a long train running if you listen to the music, but we really need to take it to the streets because it's not about the music or the marijuana. It's about the message without love. This episode, we arrive at perhaps the most well-known chapter of any of the Apostle Paul's writings, 1 Corinthians 13, which is known as the love chapter. Portions of this chapter are often recited at weddings for people of faith and for those outside the faith. We've been going through Paul's first epistle to the congregation of believers in Yeshua in the city of Corinth, a Greek city. And this is a fellowship which Paul was instrumental in establishing. Four years after the assembly's inception, Paul wrote this letter. And the audience is mostly made up of God-fearing Gentile followers of Yeshua. These are people who came out of paganism and other idolatrous practices. They're God-fearing Gentiles who are followers of Yeshua. Among them also were some of the dispersed, scattered Jewish believers in Yeshua. They gathered among them as well. And we're going to start actually a few verses back in chapter 12 to keep the flow of what Paul is talking about. And the main focus of chapter 12 is the gifts of the Spirit, how they are distributed, and each part of the body doing its part for the benefit of the whole. So we'll start at chapter 12 and verse 29. The Apostle Paul writes, Not all are emissaries, are they? Not all are prophets, are they? Or teachers? Or miracle workers? Not all have gifts of healing. Not all speak in tongues. Not all interpret, do they? Eagerly seek the better gifts. But now I will show you the best way of all. I may speak in the tongues of men, even angels. But if I lack love, I have become merely blaring brass or a cymbal clanging. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may fathom all mysteries, knowing all things, have all faith, enough to move mountains. But if I lack love, 
I am nothing. I may give away everything that I own. I may even hand over my body to be burned. But if I lack love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, rude or selfish, not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not gloat over other people's sins, but takes its delight in the truth. Love always bears up, always trusts, always hopes, always endures. Love never ends, but prophecies will pass. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will pass. For our knowledge is partial and our prophecy partial. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, argued like a child. Now that I have become a man, I have finished with childish ways. For now we see obscurely in a mirror, but then it will be face to face. Now I know partly, then I will know fully, just as God has fully known me. But for now, three things last. Trust, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. According to scripture as a whole, love is a big deal. It supersedes faith, the gifts of the spirit, obedience, even hope. Ultimately, love must be our underlying motivation in all that we do. A love for Hashem with all of our heart and soul and strength and a love for our neighbors, our fellow human beings, which is grounded in our love for Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. As Paul wrote in his second epistle to this congregation, it is the love of the Messiah that compels us in all things we do. As we recognize he laid down his life for all because of the Father's great love for his creation. So we are to do likewise, motivated by that love, the example that we have seen laying our lives down for others. No matter how gifted or talented one is, if the motivation is not love, he or she will not bear the fullness of the fruit they would if love were at the heart of it. As the master said, there are those who, who do things for their own benefit or for the applause and appreciation of man. And when they do those things, if that is their motivation, they have their reward in full when they get that pat on the back or they hear that, that round of applause or the accolades of other people. They have their reward in full. So we have to remember what the master declared were the greatest commands. There is Shema and Vehafta. Hear, O Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai is one, and you shall love Adonai Elohim with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And the second commandment, which is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are commanded to love. 
So how can one command others to feel love for others, to feel any emotion for others, a commandment to love? So we all do things, each and every one of us have done things that are unlovely and even unlovable, yet we are commanded to love one another. And what we see is even in our unlovely acts or unlovable behaviors, God's love remains the same for us. He is, it is consistent. And so I certainly believe the commandment to love goes beyond emotions and feelings. It speaks to loving acts, work, works of sadaka, righteousness, charitable acts, whether we believe one deserves it based on their behaviors or not. The word used for love here in this chapter is the Greek word agape, which some are familiar with. It means unconditional love. And there are those who believe this unconditional love is a New Testament concept or revelation, like somehow God's love was limited in earlier times, but now there's a new aspect to love not before recognized or practiced. And this is the idea of many dispensationalists, people who subscribe to a time of law versus a time of grace. And the difficulty with this is that this concept juxtaposes the eternal one against himself. God is love. He is the Lord, and he changes not. His love for his creation has been the same since the dawn of creation, and actually before the dawn of creation, and will remain the same throughout all eternity. What happened through the Master Yeshua, the Messiah, is the ultimate revelation of his love. But his love has not evolved over time. When we act on his love towards others, there may be times when we aren't feeling a particular sense of love towards a person due to their offenses, their actions, their words, attitudes, and behaviors. True love, chesed, Loving kindness goes beyond those things. It goes to, I guess, what we could call the lowest common denominator. The lowest common denominator is being that this is a man, woman, or child created by the king of the universe, created in his image and likeness, for whom... The Messiah died. That's the lowest common denominator. That is, where, that is where all things are equal for all people. So if I cannot show love to a person, regardless of their behaviors or any other things, if I cannot show love to another human being whom I can physically see, who is created in the image and likeness of the Holy One, blessed be he, how can I say I love him whom I cannot see? This is why love is the greatest way, because it is God's way. He loves us beyond our faults and shortcomings. Hallelujah. 
Hashem doesn't tell us to love others without defining what love is and what sh- what it should look like. Throughout the Torah and all of Scripture, we read the instructions and we see examples of what it means to love our neighbors as a direct reflection of our love for Hashem. So regardless of our gifts, talents, callings, and whatever else we want to add to that, in order to fulfill anything in our lives, the underlying motivation must always be love for others, which is prompted by a love for the living God. There are people who have, I guess, what, what may be considered a lesser gifting or, you know, or a lesser calling than others. But there are those among those people who bear significantly more fruit than people with what may be perceived as a greater gift because those people with the, what, the lesser gifting walk humbly with their God, seeking justice and loving mercy. I may speak in the tongues of men, even angels, but if I lack love, I become merely a a blaring brass or a cymbal clanging. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may fathom all mysteries, know all things, have all faith, enough to move mountains. But if I lack love, I am nothing. I may give give away everything that I own. I may even hand over my body to be burned. But if I lack love, I gain nothing. You may think it's impossible to do some of these things apart from love. But there are those who would even allow themselves to be martyred for selfish gain, to promote a political agenda, to show themselves committed to a cause, selfish motivation behind it. It is possible, and it has happened in history. Love has to be the motivation. And then Paul goes on to describe what love is. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not proud, rude, or selfish, not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not gloat over other people's sins, but it takes its delight in the truth. Love always bears up, always trusts, always hopes, always endures. So here we see Paul is reflecting on the internal properties of love. However, Scripture firmly instills that the inward working of God and his love within one will be manifested outwardly. And we read this in in many of Paul's writings and, more importantly, the words of the master Yeshua. He spoke often about how we were to conduct ourselves, the works and deeds we are to do, motivated by love. From David Stern's commentary on 1 Corinthians, he states that the New Testament writings, and certainly this chapter from the Apostle Paul, reveal love as giving of 
and from oneself. Love expresses itself in acts of benevolence, kindness, and mercy, in which heart, mind, and will are united because they are motivated and empowered by God. There are many passages of of Scripture that declare properly loving Hashem and our neighbor is the fulfilling of the Torah. This does not mean having a feeling towards others, but loving them through our words and deeds. There are those who are convinced that having loving feelings towards others and towards God is what Yeshua meant. As long as I have loving feelings and always support people in any decision they make, that's loving. No, it's not. And that's not how scripture describes or depicts love. God loves us. He provides us with instruction on how we should live. And he identifies the consequences if we do not live according to his way, if we do not obey. Love sets boundaries to hold ourselves accountable and to hold others accountable. If you love me, you will tell me if you believe I am straying from the path of righteousness. If you love me, you will do so. If you don't, then you'll just kind of wink and nod and be like, well, maybe maybe he'll figure it out, but that's okay. We're all human. doesn't matter. It's okay. Because it's not. And I want to know. I need to know. Because I am not perfect. After giving the description of the internal manifestations of love, Paul, I believe emphatically, states, Love never ends, but prophecies will pass. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will pass. The gifts of the Spirit are for a specific time in this present world. And... They will come to an end. They are temporary. They will come to an end. But love never ends. It is eternal. It is for this present world, Olam Hazeh, and for the world which is to come, Olam Haba. Paul then continues, For our knowledge is partial and our prophecy partial. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass. What we have now, even these incredible gifts of the Spirit, are partial. They are not fully complete. When the perfect comes, that is the messianic kingdom and the world which is to come after the resurrection, then the partial will pass and we will have the fullness of completion. Paul then uses his own Uh, maturity, his growth as an analogy. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, argued like a child. Now that I've become a man, I have finished with childish ways. We will reach the fullness of maturity in all these things in the world to come. We will fully then put aside our selfish, childish, worldly thoughts desires, and arguments. 
Now, this does not excuse these behaviors in this present world, but it explains that the evil inclination will be no more in the coming kingdom. For now, we see obscurely in a mirror, but then it will be face to face. Now I know partially, then I will know fully, just as God has fully known me. So the imagery of mirrors is found throughout the scriptures and is in many of the writings of the sages. For example, it is said of the prophets, Moses saw Hashem as through a single mirror. The other prophets saw as through nine mirrors. So Moses had one lens of separation between he and the Most High, whereas the other prophets had nine lenses of separation. Messiah has no lenses of separation, as he is the very image of the Holy One. Blessed be he. For now, we know in part When the kingdom comes, we will know fully. We will see without any lenses. When the kingdom comes, we will know fully, even as God knows us, without any degree of separation, how he sees us. And Paul then writes, But for now, in this present world, three things last. Trust, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is eternal. Love must be our underlying motivation in all that we do and say, even in our very thoughts. Love must be, must be the motivator. In the coming kingdom, faith will no longer be necessary as God's laws and commandments will be written on our hearts and we will no longer be teaching one another to know God because all will know him and his laws and commandments written on our hearts and minds. So we will no longer need faith as it is here in this present world. All of our hopes from this present world will be realized in the coming coming kingdom. All that we hope for, we will finally see. And hope that is seen is not hope at all, but love. Love is eternal. And it is because God is love. This is why we read that loving him and loving our neighbors as ourselves is the fulfilling of the Torah, the laws and commandments. I encourage you, please study to show yourselves approved of God. I want to thank you for your time, and I hope that this has blessed you. There is a lost and dying world that desperately needs to see and know what love is, true love, the love of Hashem. We have an undying debt to love others. So let's go out and give them a taste of the coming kingdom. Let's go out and give them heaven. Until next time. May the favor 
the Master, Yeshua the Messiah, found in the eyes of Hashem, be upon you and all your household, and the peace of God which passes all understanding reign in your hearts and minds in the Messiah, Yeshua. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all who listen, who share, and who rate and review and do all those kinds of things. If you're a recent listener, new listener to this podcast, we're going through a study of the book of First Corinthians right now. And if you would go back to the Nobody's Fool episode, that is where we started in chapter one and give a little bit more context and a history of what was going on at the time the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Corinth. Thank you so much. Yes, there is that lost and dying world, and they are hungry. They need the bread of life. They need the Messiah, Yeshua. So let's go out and give them heaven. Grace and peace. Chain Shalom.